doing? Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Dr. Debbie, have you ever worked on a chimp? Do you have any chimp patients? I do not. And you know what? I I do enjoy working with exotic animals, but I kind of had this rule. I, I... very early on, I discovered that I didn't feel comfortable working with an animal that I could catch a human disease from. Sure, sure. So they, they can carry human diseases? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And hepatitis um, is certainly one of them. But yeah. And, you know, they're they're a primate. It's it's kind of like looking into the eyes of a relative. And it just kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies. Um, and honestly... <laughs> So, um, I, I don't want to work on people, and chimps just are too close to people, mm. <laughs> so I can't do it. Well, Ebola is from chimps, right? Yeah. Well, there, there's, I mean, oodles of diseases that you know primates share. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's just a, a fact of working with them. People that work with them use precautions. Um, it's just not not my cup of tea. <laughs> mm. See, I gave up Facebook altogether, as a lot of you know, primarily because I was watching chimp videos all day. And, you know, they get in their baths, doing all kinds of fun things. It, would, it was a big time suck. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get any work done. I love chimps. And my wife doesn't want anything to do with chimps because they can throw their poop, apparently. This is something oh, that I... Yes. Yeah. With accuracy, too, I've heard. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There is a chimp sanctuary here in the United States. It's in Louisiana. And today we're going to be talking to one of the... Uh, I'm going to say she's the Director of Behavior and Research at Chip Haven, Amy Foltz. And she will uh, tell us what it's like to, to have chimpanzees as friends. They save them over there. It's like a shelter. It's it like a uh, sanctuary. It's a sanctuary. Mm-hmm. I guess these chimps are coming from research. Laboratories, yeah. yeah. That's a well, great that would to be see. such a meaningful job. Absolutely. Yeah. It's great to see them getting out of the labs. So we'll talk to her and find out what that's all about in just a few minutes. Also, also a guy who's gone to China to save a bunch of dogs. We'll find out what his story is coming up right here on Animal Radio. Lori, what are you working on for this hour? Got an unusual survey for you. We'll tell you what Netflix has found are the best TV shows to binge with your pet. <laughs> <laughs> Got five of them for you. God bless you, Netflix. <laughs> hey, Rick, welcome to the show. How you doing? Well, hey, right. how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. What kind of critter do you have? Uh, she's a black lab. She's almost she'll be five in July. And awesome. All right, I'm a black lab lover myself. <laughs> oh, good. Um, we've got a little problem with her old being overweight. Okay. She's, a, she's about ninety pounds. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But she rides. She's been riding with me in the truck over the road since she was six weeks old. And I okay. try to exercise her every day, throwing the tennis ball like five or six times a day. We do that. And, okay. I mean, she runs and runs and runs, and she just keeps on putting the weight on. All righty. Well, I mean, so at the other times of the day, then she's riding with you and just kind of sedentary, kind of chilling? Right. Okay. So the big thing I would have to say is being a Labrador, uh, now I always talk body condition. So numbers to me don't always ring as true. Um, but if she's a 90 pound and you can say as 
her father, you could say, yeah, she's heavy. <laughs> then, then I trust that um, because the body condition is by far more meaningful than any number on the scale. So if you put your hands on her chest and you feel like some fatty resistance before you can actually feel ribs, then we're talking that, yeah, we're carrying extra weight there. And if we don't have a nice little inward turning hip when you look at the top view of your dog or the side view, um, then yeah, then we're probably in the overweight category there. So yeah. the big challenges for you would be, um, you know, limiting your calories and then increasing your exercise. So I like the idea that you have tried uh, doing uh, retrieving and playing ball because that is a great way to help expend energy. So we want to remember that the same kind of formulas for us, about 30 minutes to 60 minutes of continual exercise. So ball playing may not be able to <laughs> fill up that whole time, but leash walking um, and other types of physical activity, swimming would be wonderful. Those kind of things. Swim. Yeah, and you know what? That's such it. It exhausts them. It really burns up the calories very wonderfully. So uh, swimming and retrieving for me would be some of the big ways to kind of help burn down her energy level, kind of tire her out, and then maybe also supplement that with a little bit of walking, leash walking along the way. But calorie wise, we really gotta watch what you're putting in the in the the doggy's gullet. Um, so if if we need to get on a serious weight loss program, then I like to go into some of the therapeutic uh, weight loss diets. Well, I've, I've switched her over to a, a healthy weight Purina, the, uh, mm-hmm. the more expensive stuff. And yeah. I only give her a half, uh, one cup in the morning and one cup about four in the afternoon, five in the afternoon. Okay. Now, I'm going to caution you because with some of the, you know, there's some great foods out there on the market that are marketed as a weight loss diet. The problem that I have is that for real true weight loss, we really ought to have um, your veterinarian involved in kind of supervising that. The problem becomes when we take weight loss foods that are sold on the general market and we restrict the volume for our pets, we can actually cause problems. Um, By decreasing the amount you feed, you can limit not only the calories she's taken in, but also the nutrients. So we don't want her to be um, nutrient deficient, and we also don't want her to end up feeling hungry and unsatisfied. So uh, I would certainly uh, check with some of the different local vets in your areas what kind of prescription weight loss foods they have. There's different ones by Purina, Science Diet, Royal Canin, Iams, there's oodles out there, but really to get on one that is that is made for weight loss. And the idea is those foods have higher fiber. They may be supplemented with carnitine to help burn fat. Um, And those are going to be my best recommendations for diet. And we really look for maybe only 1% to 2% body weight loss per week. So we're going for gradual. We don't want to make her hungry and make her frustrated in any way. Um, The other thing you might look into, um, and for any retriever especially, I'm always suspect with this if we're talking weight issues, is to have her thyroid level screen. Um, it is a common cause of weight gain in many breeds, um, but also um, especially in these Labradors um, where we can just kind of not maybe eat a lot, but just kind of pack those pounds on over time. And I would certainly personally wish for a thyroid problem to, to lose weight uh, if we could all take a magical pill. But, uh, you know, if that is a problem, I would hate for you to miss that and uh, not have that evaluated. Now, I had her, I had her spaded. Her, uh-huh. her, Seemed like she put on a lot of weight on right after that. Uh-huh. Is that common? 
Well, what we have to remember is basically when we're spaying a dog, we're changing their metabolism. So it can lead to weight gain if we don't change our feeding habits. Uh, so I definitely recommend uh, pretty much the day a pet is leaving my office getting spayed, we have that talk about metabolism. And any lady that's gone through menopause uh, or ended up with a hysterectomy will attest that it is hard to keep the weight off afterwards. And we can run into that with our dog. So don't continue to feed her like you did when she was, um, you know, a young juvenile. We really just have to limit the calories and, and make sure that we keep her activity level up and, uh, you know, keep that in mind. So it's not a reason not to spay, just to know that it can happen and we just need to kind of get ahead of things before, uh, you know, they pack that weight on. And, you know, one other thing you might try, you know, even, even things to keep her occupied and busy and keep her mentally stimulated in the cab of the truck would be um, some of the different interactive toys. And, and you might throw some of her food in, into those uh, uh, different little toys. If she's into the Kong toys, there's Busy Buddy um, is another oh. brand, and and you can hide um, the food items in there, and it, she kind of has to work to get them to fall out of the different uh, toys, and it kind of right. keeps them occupied, mentally stimulated, and, and really, we make it so easy putting that food in front of our pets that this is a great way to, to make her kind of work for it, if you will. Okay. Uh, another question I have, she expects to treat every time that she goes to the bathroom. That's my fault because I... Every time, whoa, she every time she goes to the bathroom... <laughs> Yeah. You said every so, time she goes to the bathroom, right? Every time oh. that I get out of the truck and I come back oh, in, okay. and, you know, I give her a, a biscuit. Now, I used to give her the medium-sized biscuits. I cut her down to the puppy ones. Okay. Well, here we go to the nitty-gritty. Now the truth comes out, Rick. Now I know what the problem is. Definitely. She's being overtreated. Definitely. So uh, I guess that's the first and foremost thing. You're doing exactly what my mother did. Every time the doggy went outside, even if it wasn't, he didn't do anything, he would fake it to get a cookie. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> We called them cookie runs in our house because my dog was so smart. He'd run out, come back in, get a cookie. And I'm like, Mommy didn't do anything. And she'd be like, he tried. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, um, indefinitely, I would say we want to go to a high-fiber uh, biscuit. So, puppy, if you're talking small, that's great. Um, but if you're talking made for puppies, yeah, those are probably higher calories, and we don't need to go there. We can try substituting other things. So, you can try uh, those little fresh baby carrots. That's a great little treat um you know you can look at her daily food amount though what you're feeding her and take one kibble out and remember that you can't add more in for the day measure out her feeding amount and if you're giving her a piece of goodie every time she goes outside she may not have anything to left over to eat at the end of the day so you may want to rethink your reward system for like, uh, how, how about food. just like a good girl good girl <laughs> or something exactly. like that <laughs> she'll look at me and look at the treat box and look at me and look at the treat box. Uh -huh. Uh, well, this this is where, Rick, it takes tough love. And I can tell you, I got those big brown eyes from my Labradors, too. I treat them maybe one out of a 100 times when they do something on a command. And that's all it takes. They don't need it every time. It's that one time out of that 100 or so that they remember. They still do the good things. They still listen to me. And they're not any worse for the wear. Um, so it, it really, you have to change in your heart. And you can do it. You can be that tough dad. And remember that every calorie you put in extra is really going to affect her um, and cause problems down the road. So, okay. got to look inside yourself. Change there. Yeah, <laughs> so, well, I wanted to be around for a while, so I, you know, I mean, I'd be lost without this dog. You know, so uh, and that's why I know I got to do something. I don't want her to get because I had one dog that got diabetic on me, and that's because she ate every yeah. table scrap we ever had. Yeah. Well, you uh, nip this in you the go. bud. You got some great tips there, some great ideas. Unfortunately, we are out of time, Rick. But thanks for your uh, call.
This portion of Animal Radio was underwritten by Pet Playgrounds. Pet Playgrounds stops dogs from digging. The folks over at Pet Playgrounds, well, they're dog owners too, and they designed a system with digging in mind. 12 inches of super strong material is invisibly staked down and flared inward along the surface of the ground where Fido would normally dig. Learn more over at PetPlayGrounds.com. And thanks, Pet Playgrounds, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. All dogs should eat a pH-balanced alkaline diet. An alkaline diet reduces health risks and can also reduce scratching, shedding, and hot spots. So does this mean you need to check your dog's pH balance? No, because canine caviar has created the first and only alkaline dog food that is pH balanced. It also has the highest metabolized calories. What does this mean? Your dog needs to eat less. Get a healthier dog and save money with canine caviar products. Find them at your local pet supply store or online at caninecaviar.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It is Animal Radio. This is where we celebrate the connection with our pets and animals, which we know are much smarter than us humans ever. I don't think anyone's going to argue that. No, they are. Well, they can hear better and see better. Most certainly. (laughs) And they probably could speak English, but or any language, but they opt not to, knowing that that just gets in all kinds of trouble. They, Look what we've done with language. Yeah, we've really screwed it up. Coming up in just a few minutes, we're going to talk to the end of the ladies who are looking at this picture here. He's a hunk. Yes, he's a hunk. We're going to be talking to Jeffrey Berry. He's the founder of No Dogs Left Behind. And he heads on over to China to rescue dogs. And of course, you know, in China... They don't look at their animals like we look at our animals. They look at them with, uh, like, on the dinner table. Oh. Now, in some parts, oh, not, in some not, parts, not all over. Not all over. In some parts of China, dogs are revered and they're spoiled. Yeah. Um, but right. then there's other areas where they're. You yeah. Know, well, you know, same thing in the United States. Portions of the United States, true. animals yeah. are treated poor, very poorly. poorly. Uh, but he goes over there. He rescues these animals and he brings them back to the United States. Good for him. It's fun, a little traveling. You rescue these animals. He probably sees animals in, in horrible conditions. Yeah, so. I don't think it's too fun, the situation he takes them out of. Uh, so he'll be joining us in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Lori, what are you working on? We're about 10 minutes away from a check of news with you. There is a new trend among colleges and universities. Like, you know, the big pet boom is is going everywhere to everything, expanding. And, and now apparently... To colleges. Not that your pet will get a degree, but that maybe your child can take a pet with them to college. Mm. We'll tell you more about it. It's a new trend. Watch it it closely. And I I bet you they'll do studies in 10 years and they'll find out the places that uh, kids took pets to college. These kids are coming out smarter. They're coming out. They're they're graduating. They're graduating and they're (laughs) well-adjusted. Let's see. Which one do we go to? Line three? Okay. Hi, Lorena. How are you doing today? Well, I have a cat that's been very, very sick. He got in a cat fight. He's a year old, and um, he ended up staying in the hospital for like a week and antibiotics and everything. Well, he's getting better now, but when I let him outside, he goes and starts eating rocks, like little slate rocks. Wow. Okay, yeah. Is he having any digestive problems, any kind of vomiting, changing his stools? Um, He was vomiting. And then he stopped. 
um, no, his stools look good. All righty. And you said he's a year old, and is he neutered? Yes, yes. He, he got is. neutered um, in June, okay. and he's still on antibiotics. He's been on antibiotics for like a month and a half because he was really, really sick. He had big old pussy mm. holes just popping out all over, you know. Okay. All right. Well, I will tell you that, you know, there can be some kitties that do this strange behavior, what we call pica, where they eat unusual things, whether they're, you know, things like rocks or uh, plastics or household items or you name it. Um, and that can be a behavioral problem. But I would actually be a bit concerned with your baby that we might have something else going on. And um, some of the common causes of a cat doing this and eating such strange things can actually be something as simple as being anemic, having a low red blood cell count. For some reason, it triggers an instinctive response, and the animals try to eat things unusual. And that may be that they're trying to rebuild iron or something in their body. Um, but that can be a common cause. So for me, I, any kitty that does this, I would Pull a blood panel, check that, see what his blood count looks like. It wouldn't hurt if he hasn't already been tested for kitty leukemia and kitty AIDS yes, to double has. check. He has. he has. Good, good. I will also, if they're doing this just as a therapy, I will try vitamin B injections. Um, cobalamin okay. is the specific B vitamin. And, and do that um, at least on a weekly basis just to see if that helps. If it does, that may gives us, uh, give us some um, support that he's got something more digestive in nature that we need to investigate and to look at. Um, and that's something your vet can do pretty easily. Okay. Now, um, so I would also lost a lot of weight is there something i can do to help him gain weight Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and a lot of this is going to go back to getting him through this illness, so making sure his health plane is good. I will often, even if we don't see worms, I deworm a kitty. Um, that also helps to treat for some of those worms we can't see, like stomach worms, which never even passed in the stool. Um, and they pick up from eating insects and things like snails and so forth. So uh, deworm him. I'd see about those B vitamin injections and then okay. um, make... Make sure that, um, you know, you stay on top of that, that red count. So if he's still not pulling around, I may even want to recheck that CBC just to make sure he doesn't have a problem there. And then, you know, a lot of it's also going to be a little bit of human supervision and kind of keeping him on either a harness if you need to when he's outdoors. Um, if he's not where he's 100% well yet, I, I really wouldn't recommend him have full rain outside. Um, that might just be a little too much freedom for him right now that he could get into trouble and you can't supervise what he's ingesting at, at that point. So yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't stray far from the house because he's so weak. Uh, we just put him out, you know, so he can get some sunlight and walk around. Mm -hmm. um, just keep him away from that gravel. <laughs> we don't want him eating that gravel because then we'll have another whole problem to deal with we, there. We have like slate. It's like a slate rock, and there's only certain spots that he goes to eat this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and like I said, that's, that may be something that's more of an instinct that he's triggering, that he's feeling like he needs to get some important minerals, iron, and so forth. Okay. So um, keep that leash you know, in your hand. You can control where he goes and just limit those times of exercise outside where you know he's going to be safe and he's not going to get into that. So don't give your baby a pat. My goodness, it sounds like he's been through a lot medically going on there. Thanks for your call, Lorena. Good luck with that. 1-866-405-8405. That is toll-free to our dream team. Dr. Debbie answering your vet medical question. This Healthy Serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the Grain-Free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. Learn more over at redbarninc.com. And thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio.
You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, friends. This is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. After a traumatic experience at the veterinary office, have you ever thought to yourself, there has to be a better way? When your veterinarian is fear-free certified, you'll find your pet's vet visit is safer, more comfortable, and actually enjoyable. Your dog will go from shaking in the lobby to pulling you into the exam room with a wagon tail, and your cat will be purring inside the carrier. To find a certified fear-free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Well, all of the attempts to fight the opioid epidemic among humans is now leading to some restrictions that are trickling down some problems that are affecting pets. An opioid shortage is now forcing vet clinics and animal hospitals to use less potent drugs when performing surgeries on pets, which has led to changes for some and how they get animals under anesthesia and keep them under so they don't feel the pain. But because of this, A spay-neuter clinic up in Oregon is now restricting how many large female dogs are being spayed because obviously it takes longer to spay a female, so they have to keep them under. It also takes more anesthesia to do a large dog than a small dog, so the odds are really not in favor of large female dogs with this going on being spayed. But it is expected that the shortage for sedatives for pets will begin to subside within the next several months. Dr. Debbie, are you uh, finding that there's an opioid shortage at your clinic? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's various different reasons, but a lot of it's production and manufacturing. Um, So that's a real problem. Um, Human hospitals don't have the drugs they need to do the job. So veterinary hospitals um, also feel the same shortage. Now, is there really a shortage or is that sort of the political climate right now creating that shortage? There is there. No, it's not. um, Some people say, oh, this is because the, you know, opioid epidemic. It's, you know, they're forcing the hands to stop people. No, there is really a production issue. And I know that one of the plants that manufactured a lot of the injectable opioids was in uh, Puerto Rico. So, um, you know, there's some infrastructure issues there. Um, so it's just not available. The, you know, the good thing, and, you know, I would have to say the good thing is there are other alternatives. So at our office, you know, we are still doing business as usual. We have found alternatives. Um, there's other means of pain management. We do a lot of nerve blocks, oh. which um, are a great alternative. And if people are only relying on opioids for pain relief, gosh, you know, we can tap into these other things that really do a good job. So we do nerve blocks um, along incision lines. There are other drugs we can use and kind of what you call a multimodal pain management. Management. So um, all is not without hope. Um, it's just some of our most favorite, most potent tools are not at our access right now. Okay. Okay. Well, Netflix did a survey recently, guys, questioning pet lovers about how and what they like to watch on TV with their furry best friends. And here's what they found out. <laughs> when it comes to watching TV, most people, about 71%, in fact, find pets to be the best binge-watching partner. Uh, But it doesn't stop there. 27% have even talked to their pet about the show or movie that they are watching, or we're watching. (laughs) Uh, According to the survey, dog owners are more likely to choose action shows like Narcos and Marvel's Daredevil. That's, you know, if they're watching alone. But if you're wondering what shows had everyone and their friends, their pets, watching together, here are the top five in the U.S., Number five is House of Cards. 
Number four to binge watch with your pet on Netflix is Orange is the New Black. Number three is 13 Reasons Why. Number two, Fuller House. Really? Really, I saw that. Really? (laughs) And uh, number one is Stranger Things. Ah, there is no accounting for our pet's tastes. (laughs) At least they don't have the remote control in their hands or their paws. If they had that opposable thumb thing going on, who knows what we'd be watching. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. In today's automotive news, Lexus show off the next generation of compact luxury crossover, the UX F-Sport. This vehicle will have the best MPG in its class, according to Lexus, and will be the first Lexus to offer a subscription service where you can pay a monthly fee and get your car payment or your maintenance and insurance covered. It will also have standard Amazon Alexa and Apple CarPlay integration. It will come with a gas or a hybrid all-wheel drive and be priced in the low $30,000 range. For more information, go to OurAutoExpert.com. I'm Nick Miles. My Chrysler Pacifica is totally loaded. It has stow-and-go seating, the available Uconnect theater, and listen to these speakers. Hey, Mom, what was that song? Huh? What song? Chrysler Pacifica. It's loaded with attitude. Chrysler is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. is Animal Radio celebrating the connection with all of our pets. And, uh, you know, it's it's great if your animals can get outside. Yeah, and, they like the sunshine, fresh air, too. I like taking my dogs out for walks. It's not always, well, let's face it, I work, and you probably work, too, probably work many hours a day. So being able to put your dog in a dog run for a few hours or into a fenced area is great. And I know these people that they get these electric fences, I guess what they call them, invisible fences. Yes, uh-huh. I have fundamental problems with those. My first two problems are that, uh, one, they're electrified, (laughs) and that's just not, that's not cool on any level. But number two, while they can keep your animal in, sort of, they do have the failure rate, while they can keep your animal in, they don't keep predators out. So if there's there's another animal, like a dog without a collar or a coyote, you hear about that here all the time, coyotes coming down. And we have a small dog. We have a small Jack Russell, 10 pounds. So being able to to protect the dog while allowing the dog outside is so important to me. And that's Mm -hmm. why we welcome Vinny Tanangi, the top dog at Pet Playgrounds. He's joining us now. How are you doing, Vinny? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Now, I have one of these digging dogs. It's a dog that likes to dig in my garden. I can't plant anything uh, any time of the year. I am worried that when I put up a fence that I'm going to have a digging dog get out. Sure. So our fence is a real physical dog fence. So it's not an electric fence. And the benefits of that are the materials that we are utilizing to construct that fence. So for dogs that dig, we actually have a dig guard. And what that means is that our fence doesn't stop just because that's where your ground starts. It actually continues on one foot. So the material that we use is a mesh-like material that is bent in a backwards L shape towards you. Then it's, we use stakes to put in the ground, and we call them ultra-hold ground stakes because they're shaped a certain way so dogs can't simply rip them out of the ground with their paws. 
I have one of those climbers. You know, the chain link fence is sturdy, and my dog can just fly right over it. Right. So that is the problem you're going to have with any traditional fence, whether it's a chain link, wood, aluminum, vinyl, composite, you name it. And the reason is because these are rigid fences, and dogs use them like ladders to (laughs) simply climb over Uh them. So when you see some people think that, you know, if they get a, a, a seven foot, an eight foot, or just, you know, just increasing the size of their fence. And what they'll find is that their dog can still get over. So what our fence does, it physically moves. And because it moves, dogs can't get a grip. So ah. dogs will simply try to paw at it. And because the fence is moving, they can never actually climb over ah. it. Now, can they destroy the fence by clawing at it? They can't. It's very, very rugged. So our standard dog fence comes in four, five, and six-foot heights. And then we have a max product. Those are for dogs that really just get through everything. So you might have a dog that will chew through wood in your house and so forth, and you know that basically anything you put in front of them, they're going to chew through. That's what a max strength does. A chain-link fence, for example, has about a 1,000 PSI. That's what it can withstand. A wood fence can withstand about 550. Our our standard dog fence can withstand 2,900 PSI, and and our max strength can withstand 4,000. Now, I I don't have a fence because I have an uneven yard, and it's hilly, it's rocky. I can't put up a fence. So that's a great problem to have with our fence because that's why we are so successful. We have lots of people that have boulders, uneven land. So our fence is a mesh-based product. What that means is that it can be very flexible. You can maneuver the material to conform to any shape you want. Because of that, you don't need to do any grading to your yard, which is what most fence professional fence installers would have to recommend because they simply don't know about this product. It doesn't matter if, if your yard is level, and you can install the fence yourself or hire a professional. Ah, wait, 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 wait. Install the fence by myself. <laughs> the last time I tried to mix cement, the it actually uh, it never hardened. I, I have fundamental problems trying to assemble things. <laughs> well, you know what? So do I. And that's why I love this product because you, there is no cement involved. Uh, there is no digging involved. With our fence, you use a no-dig sleeve, and then you use a medium-sized sledgehammer to just pound that in. And you don't have to actually use any cement at all. Okay, so now I, I imagine I head down to a local store and then have to haul all this stuff back here to put it together, right? Nope. You can just order everything online at PetPlaygrounds.com. Oh. If you already know what you want, you can go directly to our ordering screen at PetPlaygrounds.com order. You simply select the height that you want, whether it's four five or six feet tall. You select the amount of linear feet you want. We, you can order kits from 100 linear feet to 1,000 linear feet. You order how many gates you want, and that's it. In 10 days, the kit will be shipped to your doorstep. And during the ordering process, you can select whether you want a DOI kit or you want to request a professional installer to call you to schedule that installation. So let me get this straight. We're talking about not a chain link fence. We're talking about this incredible pet playgrounds fence that will contain anything from a, a Great Pyrenees to my little Chihuahua and that it will be delivered to my house and that I could put it up together. I could put it together myself. Is that what I'm following so far? That's exactly precisely what I'm saying. 
Judy has just informed me that we have a special deal for Animal Radio listeners. We do. So if you order any kit that's 200 feet or more, you can put in a code, Animal Radio, and you will save 10% off your entire wow. DOI kit. Okay, and that, that coupon code is Animal Radio. Is that one word or two words? That's one word. The website is PetPlaygrounds.com. PetPlaygrounds.com. We'll put links from AnimalRadio.com. And don't forget to put Animal Radio in when you check out to get that 10% discount of 200 linear feet or more. Vinny, thanks so much for hanging with us today. Thank you very much. We can't tell you why canine caviar is the only alkaline-based dog food. But we can tell you alkaline is proven to minimize the risk of renal failure and pancreatitis reduce scratching, cellular degeneration, and disease, keeping your furry friend youthful and healthy longer. And those are the reasons we can fit into this short commercial. But by visiting caninecaviar.com, you'll see exactly what we do to make a better food for your dog. Try the one and only alkaline dog food risk-free. Canine Caviar. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at animalradio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. is Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. And we'll head back to the phones in just a couple of minutes for your questions toll-free at 1-866-405-8405. And don't forget you can reach out on our free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android and ask your questions from that there, too. Uh, We fight the good fight right here on our own soil here in the U.S. We're doing everything we can to help animals find good situations, find homes, take them out of bad situations, uh, educate people so that uh, your pets may live a longer, healthier, happier life. But there are people that have gone beyond our soil to China. And uh, we have Jeffrey Berry on the phone with us. He is the founder of No Dogs Left Behind. Hi, Jeffrey. How are you doing? Uh, Thank you very much. I'm doing just fine here. And you're correct. Uh, Rescue has no borders Mm. as far as we're concerned. You are the founder of No Dogs Left Behind. What is that, first of all? So first is we are an emergency response unit that goes beyond borders. It doesn't matter where it is that uh, a dog's in need, we go there. You just uh, came back from China. What were you doing there? So we, 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 I'm still in China. Oh, okay. Um, we are, we're currently in China right now. I did not know that. We, uh, yeah, no, no, no. We're, we're currently in China now, and we've been here for the last two years assisting in emergency responses. Uh, we assisted in 619, which is in a historical rescue of, of 1,300 dogs um, that were in desperate need of care. Jeffrey, why are they uh, the dogs in danger there? So, you see, it's, it's a very, it's a very, it's a very um, serious matter here in China. Um, the dog's life here is very difficult, especially the larger breed dogs. The larger breed dogs aren't even legal in some of the geographical locations. Um, the adoption programs here, we're, we're, again, we're, we're trying to in, uh, um, educate the Chinese people in adoption programs, uh, not buying breeded dogs, but adopting dogs that are from rescues. Um, most of these dogs are stolen um, they're stolen from homes off the streets and the way they are here in China is that they 
they have these dogs that are collected from all over the place and then they're beaten and tortured and they're eaten. Um, and they, the myth is that they believe that it's a summer solace. They believe that they'll, they'll bring good health. They believe that they'll warm their bodies up. I mean, it's all a myth. And this is the 21st century and changes in order. So we believe in the sustainable component. We believe that that is critical to get these dogs um, to safety. So these dogs that you're rescuing, are they kept there? They're going to be adopted out there? Or are you bringing all of them back to the United States? So we believe in both. We believe in the educational awareness program to educate the people of China to adopt here versus buying breeded dogs. And then we believe that we need to take some of the dogs back to America because they have no chance here. Jeffrey, how do the the dogs that are are stolen from homes, do they get loose or... Are they obtained in raids? How, how did they get to you? Because that's like too horrible. So, so the, the rescues that we've been, we've, we've shut down slaughterhouses and we've gone to truck interceptions uh, where they, the trucks were heading to, for example, last year, 505 to Yulin. And these brave activists uh, intercepted these trucks and they bring these dogs to a specific location. And when these dogs get to these locations, they, they're virtually dying from distemper, from parvo, from, from, expo- from extreme trauma, from their bones exposed, from being stuffed in these cages. We go in and we implement t- five to 10 tier um, treatment protocols where we separate the dogs and we, we educate these Chinese activists and these these shelters on how to enforce um, a a Western treatment protocol. And when they said that 80% would die, 80% have lived. So that's testament to no dogs left behind in our treatment protocols. Now, you've been doing this for quite a while. Do you see the dog meat trade slowing down at all? Yes, I do. I see a change. Um, I see a, a, a very big change in the movement. Uh, and again, one of the five pillars is education, educational awareness programs. And we have students that often come to No Dogs Left Behind in, in, um, in learning more about the dogs and, and how, to, how to maintain a lifestyle with a dog. Um, so I believe that the educational awareness program is key and fundamental to the change Alongside Judy's question, do you see a paradigm shift in the way the Chinese are thinking about their animals, and especially companion animals? Yes, yes, I do. I really do. I think that, again, I I say this with conviction, I think that change is in order. And um, I'm seeing this happen literally in front of my eyes, where in the past, um, dogs were always running free, and now I'm seeing some people, many people, walking the dogs on leashes and, and holding their dogs in their arms and, and uh, taking much-needed care of their dogs. How do you get your money to do this? Well, we have, we have a social media outreach, and um, we, we're very blessed by fabulous donors who have contributed to the, to the cause and ending the dog meat trade. If people want to learn more, what's the website, Jeffrey? It's no dogs left behind. 
Com. No dogs left behind.com. And we'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.pet. Jeffrey Berry, the founder of No Dogs Left Behind, doing great work in China. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1 866 405 8405. Admit it. You love your dog, and he is part of the family. So, when choosing your next vacation, don't forget Fido. With just a little planning, the entire family can enjoy a road trip. To find the best vacation spot for Spot, subscribe to Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog, where each issue includes hotel and destination reviews, where both you and Fido are welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and find out what all the barking's about. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. It's all about the pets here at Animal Radio. We love your dogs, your cats, your ferrets, your birds, your ostriches, whatever you have as a pet. Uh, You know what? We love all kinds of animals, even if you don't have them as a pet. We love chimpanzees. I love... I could spend my afternoon watching chimpanzee videos. I waste a whole day doing that and another day doing that just because I think they're so, they're so human-like and that just, that connects with me somehow. You don't like just watching humans? No, no. Humans are, humans are too, too dumb. (laughs) Too (laughs) human-like. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, we're going to have a behaviorist from the Chimp Haven in Louisiana. Amy Foltz will be joining us in just a few minutes. She'll tell us what it's like to hang around chimps all day. Ah, you're probably saying I do that at work anyway. (laughs) No, we hang around. Well, you used to watch chimps all the time, right? I did. I'll admit it. I was a chimpaholic. I actually went to chimp rehab meetings and stand up. I would, you know, hi, I'm Hal. I'm a chimpaholic. Boy, this has gone a bad direction really fast. What do you have coming up in the newsroom? (laughs) Well, I'm glad you're not watching chimps anymore because... You now check out uh, tech blogs, and you will send me good story ideas from those tech blogs. So I'm going to share one of those stories that you sent me on how electronic gadgetry is affecting our pets these days. I mean, what they are capable of hearing, seeing, feeling, and just the things we have around our homes is pretty incredible. It could be hurting them, too. That's on the way. Hey, Rick, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? Good. What's going on in your world? Well, I have a schnoodle. Um, he's about a year and a half to two years old. Um, very rambunctious, but he you know, he loves walks and to play and all that, but he does not like a car. He'll uh, get real shaky, um, like riding in a car. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. He starts panting, uh, salivating, and then eventually he'll throw up. Okay. All right. Well, and that's that's definitely a hard thing. Are you out traveling right now with him? No, 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 no. He's at home. Okay. I'm I'm a truck driver. I'm actually uh, in Island Park, Idaho, which is oh, absolutely okay. beautiful. So. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, the, the trick with dogs that have problems in the car travel, there, there's two components to it. There's there's actually what's more of a phobia, uh, which causes them to be fearful, trembling, shaking, drooling. And then there's the dogs that have true motion sickness. Now, a dog with true motion sickness doesn't have to go through those other symptoms. And in fact, a dog with motion sickness, it's really just when they get on those windy turns that they'll start to get nauseated and vomit. 
Um, right. However, a dog that has motion sickness can build up those phobias because they know what's going to come. So you can get an overlap of two problems here. So we have to address it that way. The first part, if we've got time and opportunity before car travel, the best thing we can do is condition a dog to the car. And that can be a very labor-intensive process where we gradually train them to being near a car being in the car, being in the car gradually that goes down the back of the driveway, and then eventually working up to going around the blocks. Now, every dog is different, and you can't push them. So we may spend, you know, a week or two just getting them to do basic obedience sitting right next to the car before we actually enter it. If we notice any fearful behaviors, ears are down and back, tail is low, slinking, looking around, licking the lips, then we're pushing them too far, and we don't want to take that next step and put them in the car and drive them around because we're not accomplishing anything. We're setting ourselves further back. So gradually we build up to this, we practice this with treats, rewards, and then eventually we build up to those smaller bits of time getting around the car, driving the car, um, that we can hopefully build them up to positive experiences. So that's the, the hard and the long way to correct these type of things when we've got anxiety. Um, some of the short-term things that we do, there's a lot of different things. So some dogs, if we really feel that they have motion sickness, I may use a drug like Dramamine. Or there's another one that's uh, approved for dogs called Serenia, which um, helps to decrease their uh, motion sickness and truly an emotion sickness type problem. Won't do anything for that anxiety, so we got to work on that too. Um, so I may add in some things like the Thunder Shirt, which can be a calming effect, um, as well as things like dog pheromones. Those help to kind of relax them in a natural way. Those could be in collars, sprays, things like that. So those are some other ways that we can help make training a little bit easier or just even that car travel that you have to do all of a sudden. And uh, I guess the other thing that I should mention is that when we are traveling with dogs in a car, we don't want them to run helter-skelter all around the, of the car because th that can actually be very upsetting. It helps to feed their anxiety. The more they can run from window to window and drool and lick the, the, the glass, um, it, it really makes them very uh, much nervous. So uh, seat belts or dog crates are a great way to keep them confined, and that will help decrease some of that motion sickness that they'll have. Um, and then the final thing, hey, I've even tried ginger snaps. Um, just like people, dogs can respond to the, the beneficial effects of ginger for motion sickness. So um, a couple ginger snaps or a little bit of some crystallized ginger can be very helpful about uh, 30 minutes to 45 minutes before you travel. Okay. Yeah, he seems to shake. Yeah, I mean, if, even if I just bring him into the car, he'll start mm -hmm. shaking because he's not real comfortable with it. So Okay. Yeah, um, and that's where yeah. you'll have to step back to before you enter that car. You want to get some really yummy treats, pieces of nice American cheese, and you practice just going out to the car, sitting, opening the car door, but not getting in. Practice that until you can see that he's comfortable. And then uh, walk him through the car, make him sit in the back seat, and then just walk right out. You're not going to make it seem any more threatening than that, and do that until you can do him um, comfortably with those behaviors. Okay. Thanks for your call, Rick. 1-866-405-8405. That's toll-free to any one of our Dream Team here at Animal Radio. Uh, hey, Walter, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Very good. Where are you calling from today? Uh, Barbersville, West Virginia. Well, welcome. Thank you. How can we help you? Okay, well, I have a cat who makes it very difficult for me to apply the Advantage 2 to the back of her, her neck. She okay. shifts her head all around. And I was wondering if there's some some gadget or some way I can teach her to stop doing that and allow me to part her hair. It's a long-haired cat, too. Okay, so she's kind of doing the exorcist when you're trying to do yeah, this. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, um, the easiest thing is to have a... Uh, 
assistant, someone to help you out. I have found that when we need to do a topical or even for oral medications with cats, um, you can do what we call make a kitty burrito. So you kind of wrap the kitty up in a towel. Okay. And it helps to keep the legs somewhat immobile. You can kind of hide the, the head at the opening and just get exposure to the neck area. For some cats, that can actually calm them because they don't feel like they're vulnerable. Yeah. Um, so, that, so that's one route to do it. For If we're just applying a, you know, a flea tick topical, a lot of times you can just, by kind of using a gentle scruffing with your fingers, you'll get exposure and you can create like a little line of where you'll see the skin and just apply your flea topical in that area. Or for some cats, I like to go l- less stress. <laughs> and you can do this by just letting her sit and do her own thing. Don't kind of manhandle her. Don't make her feel like she's being restrained. And I just start a little bit back further on the body than the area I'm going to go. And I just push with my finger and I'm going to move forward up towards the head with just light pressure. And by doing that, you'll see, you know, where the skin meets the hair and just kind of slowly do that. And you'll have a, a little line where you can apply the topical with very minimal restraint. Um, so I don't know if either of those approaches, and I have my own cat, I used to do this with him, um, little ladies hair clips, you know, the kind you put your hair up with the little, uh, jaws. Yeah. It, it actually would induce my cat to almost like a kitten like state where, you know, mama cat grabs him by the scruff of the neck and they relax. So for him, that was actually something that I could do things to him by just putting this very gently, you know, nothing you know, barbaric here, but very gently on the scruff of his neck, and he would relax and just not move. Huh. Um, so it, it really is depending what's your cat's personality, what he or she is going to adapt to the most easily with the least stress. But that, that's a little, what is your cat's personality? What kind of kitty do well, we have? Well, ordinarily, she's very uh, calm most of the time. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, so I would probably either try the, the least restraint method. Um, you know, if he's pretty chill, then you know, try, try the little uh, uh, hair grabber. <laughs> okay. What does a hair grabber look like? Um, you, you know when ladies take their hair and instead of putting in a ponytail, mm-hmm. they have a big clip in the back of their head? Yeah. <laughs> um, those are the kind of things that we're looking at. So Aren't they called alligator clips? And no. So, well, they they aren't alligator clips or roach clips. Okay. Well, these well these are real tiny ones. Some are even like you know less than an inch long. They're about an inch long that you can find real tiny little hair clips. Okay. Yeah, mine are a little bigger. I have you know long hair, but mm-hmm. um, and, and usually an older one. So for the ones that I have that are about ready to be thrown away, those would be the best. You don't want one that's gonna be too tight or too you know too firm that it's gonna really grab the fur. Okay. Well, I appreciate your help. Thank you. Hey, thank, All right. Good luck with that. Thanks, okay. Walter. If you have any more Thanks. questions, you can call back. Walter is listening on WSCW out of Charleston, West Virginia. Thanks, guys, for listening over there. Yes. An alligator clip would work, too, if you have one of those on hand. An alligator a roach clip? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy. Okay, so let's head back to the phones. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405 for your calls right now. Don't forget, you can also ask your questions from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Oh, this portion of Animal Radio was underwritten by Pet Playgrounds, makers of the safe and reliable real dog fencing system. Pet Playgrounds can be installed by anyone, even me, on any terrain, even over rocks, tree roots, and uneven land. You can learn more over at PetPlaygrounds.com, and thanks, Pet Playgrounds, for underwriting Animal Radio. Well, I also wanted to uh, make a mention really fast. 
We have an affiliate in Cambridge, Ohio, WBPS, Cambridge, Ohio. And they have a studio animal, too. Or they had a studio animal. They had Moose the Wonder Dog. Aww. And, and apparently he was very influential in getting animal radio on that station. Uh, he unfortunately has passed due to cancer this Aww. last week. Aww. But we wanted we wanted to dedicate today's show to, to this Moose. amazing Wonder Dog, Moose the Wonder Dog in Cambridge, Ohio. Here's to Moose. Here's to you, Moose. It's all for you Here's today. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Hello, this is Loretta Swift, and I'm on Animal Radio. And please don't forget to stay and neuter. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our grain-free rolled food. It's protein-packed with less risk of food sensitivity. Hi, everybody. This is Frankie Avalon, and I love animal radio. Keep listening. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Does your dog ignore you? Does he just sit there when you call his name? Well, there's a possibility he doesn't know his name seems obvious, but it's not when you think that both of you speak a different language, and a lot of the time, owners combine the dog's name with a command, leaving the dog to think his name could possibly be, Toby, get out of that garbage right now. Experts say dog training for names should start when you first bring the dog home, but it's never too late. Teach your dog his name by saying his name and giving him a treat or a toy. His name should always be a positive thing, and experts advise not combining the name when reprimanding him. Within a week, you should get the respect you've been missing from a very attentive dog. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It is Animal Radio, and it was about, well, less than two years ago that the Brilliant Pad came into our lives, and it it means more to Judy, who (laughs) used to have to clean up... Dog poop all the time. Messy pads and and artificial grass washing it out and the smell and the stink. I would go through a a new item like every year or so. I get so fed up. I'd look for something different and I'd try that for a while and get fed up and just constantly looking for the answer. Oh, and then you found it. And I found it and I will never switch this item out. Nobody can take it from me over my dead body. (laughs) This has been fantastic it's been a life talk about devotion she, oh, she is talking gosh. about the brilliant pad self-cleaning dog potty 
this company is just growing by leaps and bounds, and now they have a shelter program. And I said, Alan, we need to get you on to talk about this shelter program. We welcome back to the airwaves, Alan Cook, the top dog at Brilliant Pet. How are you doing? Doing fantastic. Thanks for having me, guys. Tell us about this shelter program. We are so excited and happy to support the uh, animal community by donating free products to animal rescue organizations uh, and shelters. Uh, you know, we're coming into adoption season and people have all sorts of events and fundraisers. And we are donating free Brilliant Pads to anim- our friends in the animal community to support uh, their fundraising activity. Now, where will these Brilliant Pads end up? Will they be in the shelters or will they be with adoptees? How that, how's that going down? They end up in three places. Okay. First off, for places where there's silent auctions and raffles wow. or donating product and the shelter gets to keep all of the proceeds. They don't have to pay us for it. They don't have to give us a commission. They keep all that they raise in their silent auctions and raffles. The second thing that we're doing is providing machines to be used in the uh, in the shelter facilities and the homes of foster families. So we're doing our part to making taking care of the dogs even easier. And the third thing we're doing is giving away free Brilliant Pads to people that adopt dogs from participating shelters and rescue organizations. All the shelter has to do is distribute a postcard that we provide in the adoption packet. Wow. And we do the rest. That's amazing. You know, I love a company that puts their money where their mouth is. And it, because you're not only creating just an, an amazing product, but you're actually helping the animals going out there and helping animals get from shelters and, and horrible situations into families and wonderful situations. And we know one of the biggest challenges the animal community has in placing uh, young dogs is the whole house training part. So in some cases, as the shelters and rescue homes are using the Brilliant Pad, the dog is coming pre-trained. And it's Ah. it's a nice point to the adopting family to make life that much easier when they get their little guy home. So what you're saying is these animals probably trained on the Brilliant Pad in the the shelter, and then they get to go home to the Brilliant Pad. Yes. How easy does that make that for the owner? Not that it was hard for me to transition my dog over. It was pretty easy. But if you can get a dog that's already trained on it, that is awesome. So I know there are shelter workers listening right now, and they want to know how they can get their shelter involved. The best thing for them to do is either visit our website at brilliantpad.com slash shelters or send an email to shelters at brilliantpad.com. Tell us a little bit about your shelter, uh, what events you have coming up, and let us know uh, the best way to get in touch with you, and we will get you set up. And if you're not with a shelter, but you're pretty interested in how Judy's life has changed, and this is something you want to think about, of course, I encourage you to visit BrilliantPad.com. But since we've spoken last, you're available on Amazon and Chewy. Is that correct? Yes, we are. And soon on Petco.com as well. Uh, The response to the product has been fantastic, and uh, we're really excited for the next steps in the company. You must be pretty proud of yourself. (laughs) I would be so dead. I'm I'm proud of him. Had I invented this, and this is not your first, you did the scoop free first, and then this. Had I invented that, I would say, wow, I have changed so many people's lives for the better. We really have, Alan, and we appreciate that. 
Well, it's so it's so great to hear from people who use the products and tell us how it makes life better and easier and healthier for them and their pets. And we are continuing to work on lots of new stuff and looking forward to making uh, things better for everybody uh, in the future. Thanks, Alan. If you want to learn more, head on over to BrilliantPad.com. If you want to get set up with the shelters, send an email to shelters at BrilliantPad.com or visit BrilliantPad.com slash shelters. And if that's too much for you to remember, head on over to AnimalRadio.pet. We have all the links there that will take you to the proper places for everything you've heard on today's show. Alan, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much, guys. It's always a pleasure. Hey, this is Miles Owens for Animal Radio, and you know what you got to do. Be good to your pets. Stay in this room. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. I would like to thank our, our headmaster here, Hal Abrams, who sent me this story, which I thought was fascinating. Um, you're a techie, Hal, so I guess you frequent the Kim Commando blog? Uh, I love it. Every day I check it out. <laughs> Well, that's where this story comes from, and thank you for sending it to me. So you are now, before you, you know, you, you find out about that latest, I've got to have that, you know, new tech toy, don't. Think about your pet. Tech expert Kim Commando says every single piece of technology that we put into our homes could very easily emit a sound that cannot be heard by humans, but comes in probably too loud and clear for pets. That is not to say that pets are suffering because of all of our gadgets, but the possibility does exist. It could be happening. She says in scientific terms, humans can hear sounds up to about 20,000 hertz, megahertz, while dogs can hear up to 45,000 and cats even better at 64,000. Which is always funny because, you know, you see a cat in the backyard, a wild cat, you tap your finger on the, on the window, right? And it can hear you like 50 yards away. Mm -hmm. But anyhow, you know, that just means that our frequencies, (laughs) hang on, Tater. (laughs) All the dogs. Are you just laughing at my animal menagerie here? Well, yeah. And that, uh, that I'm sure animals all across the country right now hear Tater and they're perking their ears up because it's such a high pitched noise that Tater emits. (laughs) You know what we call him? What? Well, his nickname, when he, when he exhibits his behavior, we call him BWB. And that is for my big whiny baby, because his, his problem is, is that I, I have the baby gate up today uh-huh. because, you know, sometimes he does get loud like this. Oh, it was and, for him. Today, I thought it was for me to keep me out of the street. No, no, but it's for him. OK, that makes me feel so much yeah. better. OK, I, I keep it behind my desk. You probably didn't notice I had it here, but that's why it's up, because I want to keep him over on the other side of my studio because he just gets I don't know. He. It's a little demanding sometimes. Well, maybe he's hearing he's, some of these noises of all of the electronics in the studio that we can't hear, ooh. and he maybe oh it's just gosh. annoying him or something like that. That's an excellent point, because he does this every time we go on the air. Yep. Yep. I thought it was just his bad manners. So turn off all the computers now. <laughs> Don't do that, please. Okay, so dogs can hear up to 45,000, right? Cats to 64,000, and humans only 20,000. So that means that there are lots of frequencies that are undetectable to us, but very noticeable, even hurtful to animal ears. And unfortunately for our pets, manufacturers design things for humans. So, however, there is a number of studies that have been done to try and determine what kind of impact 
that noise has on animals. Mm. And one of those was done by Southern Illinois University School of Medicine Department of Pharmacology. It concluded that technology and noises can lead to issues with animals' hearts, their sleeping, their endocrine cycles, while making them more susceptible even to seizures. And now think about this. Lights can be a problem too, according to Kim Commando, because she says animals see the world differently than humans, and that's really bad news for pets whose owners use LED bulbs in their home. Mm -hmm. I didn't even think about this, because LED lights flicker more than other kinds of lights. So at the speed that we see them, we see it as, you know, beautiful light that is inexpensive. But LED lights for humans, um, they have about 24 hertz or flickers per second. And that to us as humans looks fine, looks consistent, looks like a flawless movie. Dogs, however, are sensitive up to 80 hertz or flickers per second. So they are going to notice that flickering much, much easier than we do. Yeah. And that's like, isn't that seizure material? Exactly. Well, for any, I mean, people, the same thing that have migraines and uh, seizures, uh, flashing lights can trigger those. Um, There's a new veterinarian in Los Angeles, guys, who has done a study that uh, finds out one of every eight pets in Southern California tests positive for internal parasites. Hmm. And that can plague a pet's insides, causing a lot of health issues. What, what do you think of those stats there, Dr. Debbie? Do you think they're accurate? Absolutely. In my area, with the lab that we use, we actually get uh, results back, and they keep track of that. One out of every 10 fecal tests that I submit, one out of 10 is positive. Okay. So I definitely believe that. It's probably higher because those are only the people that are actually going to see the veterinarian. And that's in the desert, too, where the parasites are less than uh, this California coast or Florida. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Remember, okay, we're talking about parasites here. If you don't pick up the poop after your dog goes to the bathroom, well, you could be putting other pets at risk because of, you know, they can get parasites from sniffing that poop that somebody else has left behind or walking through it. They can get the worms by just those small, what you think are inconsequential actions. Uh, common symptoms uh, for a dog that has worms includes a poor appetite or the lining of its nostrils, its ears and gums could be pale in color. They could have diarrhea and sometimes vomit because of these worms. Now in cats, tapeworms are the most common parasite, but roundworms and whipworms can also affect cats. And fleas, important to remember, can carry parasites to your pet as well. And, you know, we think just other cat or dog poop, don't let your dog near it, but also poop from wildlife, too, is, yeah, not good. Hmm. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Never saw me do the funky chicken like that, huh? No, you're pretty good. Pretty impressive. (laughs) Can't unsee that. Well, I've mentioned it many times how I'm a big chimp lover and that if you could have chimps... If it was good for them, 
I would probably have a chimp. But they don't live in captivity, generally. That's not good for them. And frankly, they uh, I know my wife would have trouble with any animal that would throw its poop anywhere. That's... Uh, <laughs> But uh, here in the very U.S. that we live in, there is a chimp sanctuary. It's called Chimp Haven. And we have Amy Foltz. She's the Director of Behavior and Research joining us. Hi, Amy. How are you? Hi. I'm doing great today. Thanks for having me. So you're in Louisiana. Louisiana, right? Yeah, northwest Louisiana, real close to Texas. And that's where the Chimp Haven uh, sanctuary is. How big is that area? Um, well, we are actually on about 200 acres within a larger nature park, and um, it's a beautiful forested setting for the chimps, and very rural. And you're rescuing chimps. I've got to think that the chimps that you're rescuing, and this is I'm just throwing this out there, just spitballing, are chimps that people thought they were going to have as pets and then realized that that just doesn't work out. Well, we actually have only one chimp that was kind of in a pet situation. Most of our chimpanzees are actually being retired from biomedical research in the United States. So these are chimps that were in uh, research labs and and were actually born or lived most of their life under fluorescent lights, I would imagine? Yeah, it depends. Some of the chimps were actually brought in from Africa um, back in the late 60s or early 70s, and some of the chimps were born in captivity. And then, as I mentioned, we do have one former pet here and some other chimps that were used in, in different ways. Um, we have some that were utilized in cognitive research in a university setting as well. And so you have some old chimps there then, huh? Yeah, we sure do. Our two oldest are Jacob and Sarah Ann, and they're both 59. <laughs> wow. wow. How long do they live? How they can live into their 50s or 60s. Um, they're considered elderly, typically after the age of 35. Uh, but we definitely have lots of them that are over 35 and in their 40s. So how many do you have there? <laughs> right now we have over 240 chimpanzees. Wow. And we're actually uh, regularly retiring additional chimpanzees on a monthly basis right now. We'll We'll stop that in the summer because it gets too hot here in Louisiana um, to continue transporting the chimps. They're actually coming from New Mexico, from a place called Almogordo Primate Foundation, and uh, we're, we've been retiring the chimps over, over the last year or so uh, from that organization. And they'll live their life out there with you? I yeah, guess. once they come to Chimp Haven, this is their final home, and uh, they'll be with us until the end of their lives. I would imagine being brought up in a in a an environment, a scientific research environment, that maybe some are. Uh, oh, I can't find a good polite word, but let me just say, pissed off. Hate humans. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you know, every every facility is different, and um, I think just like people have very different personalities. Some of us are very cantankerous and others are very friendly and sociable. The chimps are sort of the same way. So sometimes I think it may have nothing to do with how they were treated, but just their own intrinsic personalities (laughs) in terms of how they react to others, both other chimps and people. Um, But yeah, certainly some of them really don't want to have much to do with us unless we have food or goodies for them. (laughs) We are with Amy Foltz, the Director of Behavior and Research at Chimp Haven. I have so many chimp questions. More on the way. Stick around. 
In today's automotive news, one of the best-selling cars in America gets a complete makeover. The Toyota RAV4 made its global debut with Alexa, onboard Wi-Fi, nine trim levels, multiple drive modes, and an eight-speed transmission. It'll come in all-wheel drive, a gas or a hybrid, and will be equipped with Toyota's Safety Sense 2.0 as standard. You'll have the chance to order it with a two-toned roof, but you'll have to. But it will come with USBs in every row and up to an eight-inch screen. It'll go on sale at the end of this year. For more, go to ourautoexpert.com. I'm Nick Miles. My Chrysler Pacifica is totally loaded. It has stow-and-go seating, the available Uconnect theater, and listen to these speakers. Hey, Mom, what was that song? Huh? What song? Chrysler Pacifica. It's loaded with attitude. Chrysler is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Well, this portion of Animal Radio was underwritten by Brilliant Pad. Are you tired of handling stinky puppy pads? The Brilliant Pad self-cleaning dog potty wraps and seals waste to keep your home clean and odor-free. Messy and smelly is replaced with clean and fresh. Do your pads do that? Learn more at BrilliantPad.com. And thanks, Brilliant Pad, for underwriting Animal Radio. And we are with Amy Foltz, the Director of Behavior and Research at Chimp Haven. So is it true that there are more chimpanzees that are living in sanctuaries that remain in these research facilities? Yeah, we just recently reached that huge milestone of having more chimps in sanctuary than we do in laboratories in the U.S., which is a really big deal. Um, and that, you know, that number keeps going up in well, terms of more chimps keep moving to sanctuary. I, I don't understand. I thought the research was uh, no longer. Why should they still be in, in labs anywhere? Well, it takes a while, the process, in order to get them moved um, to sanctuary. So we can't just take 100 chimps and take them and plop them into the sanctuary. They have to make the trip, and we have to be very careful and keep animal welfare in mind the whole entire time. And the trucks can only hold typically six to nine chimps at a time. And then the chimps get to our facility. They have to go through a quarantine process. And many of the chimps are coming in smaller groups, and we have to integrate them into larger groups. So we're doing introductions, and they have to have time to acclimate. Just like if you think about it from the standpoint of if if a person moves to a new country for the first time, it takes a little while for you to get used to that culture and acclimate to the, the area and the time change, et cetera. It's sort of the same for the chimps. They've got new caregivers. They might be experiencing new foods for the first time. It's a different climate. So they're just, they're adjusting, and that takes a little bit of time. So we have to give them time to do that before we can bring in the next shipment. Hmm. I, I guess I'll ask the question that I'm sure every chimp lover is wondering. I certainly am. Uh, would this be uh, an opportunity for me to go meet some chimps? Could I go and volunteer and help out a day, or is that something that you just uh, shy away from? Yeah, we do have um, volunteers that we try to take volunteers who, you know, can come on kind of on a regular basis. But the other thing that we have is six days out of the year, we have something called Chimpanzee Discovery Days. And we um, open the sanctuary up to the public. And, and not the entire thing, just kind of select parts of the sanctuary where, where the chimps maybe aren't being introduced and we aren't actively quarantine them, quarantining them or anything. Um, but people can come and talk to our staff and meet some of the chimps that uh, make Chimp Haven home. And we also have an event called a Chimp Chat and Chew where it's a little bit more intimate. You get a talk with a staff member and then kind of a behind-the-scenes tour as well. Those sell out really fast. So, Can I ask oh. a question? 
Yes, of course. <laughs> I kind of wanted to see this process through from, you know, like what it can be for a chimp in a research facility, say. And then I wondered if you could tell us about one of your favorite chimps or let's say your absolute favorite chimp in the facility there, because we all know you got to have one. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Um, I have an all-time favorite who's, who is now deceased, but his name was Mason. And I tend to like the male chimps who kind of have a sense of humor. They're a little goofy, and they tend to act a little bit like the little brother who's poking you and, like, I'm not poking you kind of a thing. <laughs> um, they like to tease a little bit. And so... My favorite living chimp right now is a chimpanzee named Matthew, and he um, is, in my opinion, the most handsome chimp here, and <laughs> and that's corroborated by others as well. <laughs> but he loves to, we don't touch the chimps, um, because we're so genetically similar, we can actually share any upper respiratory viruses or tummy viruses and things like that. So we don't touch them, but we use long-handled spoons to tickle them and play with them. And he loves to have you play with his feet. And and chimps laugh. A lot of people don't know that chimps actually do laugh. Um, So you can get him laughing if you play with his feet and tickle him. How does a chimp laugh sound like? Can can you do a chimp laugh? I'd love to hear it. I don't know if you one. kind of a very breathy, <laughs> panty kind of a thing. <laughs> a typical day for one of these chimps, do they uh, do they have any of the electronics, the iPads to play with, or uh, <laughs> are they texting, uh, or are they out, uh, what are they doing during the day? Yeah, no, not typically. What's most important to a chimpanzee is another chimp, being being social with the other chimpanzees. And um, the the iPads and the electronics, sometimes when we have what we call interaction days with our caregivers, we might bring an iPad to show them to, to do a game or something for that. But that's like a special kind of a treat. Most of the time, they're spending time out in their outdoor enclosures in the beautiful Louisiana weather and in our forested areas. Um, just being chimps, living the chimp life. Ah, oh, sounds good. I wish I could live the chimp life. <laughs> <laughs> You'd fit right in, Hal. What's the website if people want to learn more? Chimphaven.org. And we'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.com. Amy, thanks so much for what you do with the chimps and for talking with us today. Yeah, you bet. Thank you again for having me. I don't know about you. I had a lot of fun today, but it is time for us to go take our dogs and cats for a walk. Got to leash up the old cat now it's a, it's something i started a week ago and i'm really sorry i did because now the cat sits at the door all day wanting to go out uh, but we'll go take the cats and the dogs for the walk hopefully you'll do the same if you need your fix during the week visit us over at animalradio.pet or download the animal radio app for iphone android and blackberry have a great one bye-bye bye see how you said take a walk and Uh-oh. guess who heard you <laughs> they can hear everything This is Animal Radio Network.